0: thankful thankful for you today we celebrate you family and friends and yes we celebrate you too church family we're looking forward to what god might do uh through the course of the remainder of this service we pray that you've been able to worship today so far that you've been able to worship in uh, giving you've been able to worship in prayer you've been able to worship in praise and now i believe that we can always effectively worship In the message that I believe God has given for you. You know, in the third installment of this After This Life series. I shared um, a message that said basically that heaven is better than you could ever imagine. And in that message, I remember asking the question. Okay, what are we going to do when we get to heaven? Well, in addition to God continually revealing His goodness and His kindness and His mercies to us, in addition to us constantly hearing non-stop testimonies of how God used us to influence other people's lives, the greatest thing that we're going to be doing is worshiping God. Worshiping God in heaven is going to be a whole lot different than worshiping God at Bethel. Amen. If you can imagine it being better than this, it is going to be. You know, in our day, it seems to me that worship has come to be something that's kind of optional for believers. But I saw something on Facebook that really resonated with me and that is, That worshiping God should be the reason that you miss everything else. Today, the Apostle John is going to be peering into a doorway into heaven. And what he sees and what he records for us should have a dramatic impact on how you and I worship. While we're down here. You see worshiping God. Should be the Christians. Utmost priority. Nothing else. Should be more important. Than you worshiping God. Day in. And day out. Friend have you ever noticed. In our. In our bulletins. uh, The order of service. If you've ever looked at that order of service, we establish there clearly why we are here. We are here for one purpose, and that is to worship God. We worship in our giving. We worship in our communication, our prayer to God. We worship in our praise to the Lord. We worship in our study of His Word. And no service would be complete without us worshiping by making a life decision for the Lord. Well, in heaven, we're going to discover that there's not going to be any need for prayer. You're going to be constantly in the presence of God. You're going to find that there ain't going to be no need for preaching. Somebody say amen. <laughs> Good answer. There ain't going to be no need for preaching because you're going to understand the truth of God like you never have before. So what remains? What remains? Praising God. In heaven, the praise of Almighty God is going to be our predominant activity. And as believers in Jesus Christ, our lives here should be a dress rehearsal for what we're going to be doing there. Our goal should be to love God. And to worship God in such a way that when it's time for you and I to transition from here to there, when you get there, it's not going to be such a shock to your system. You're going to be used to worshiping God. How we learn to worship here will prepare us for an eternity of worship there. So today... As I look a little bit closer at Revelation chapter four, that's on page ten ninety in the Bibles in front of you. If you want to follow along, we look at uh, Revelation verse four, chapter four, and we're going to see clearly what it shows us, and that is this: the priority in heaven is the priority of worship. So on page 1090 in the Bible is in front of you in chapter 4. Listen to what John sees as he peers through this doorway into heaven. After these things I looked and behold a door standing open in heaven. And the first voice which I heard was like a trumpet speaking with me saying, Come up here and I will show you things which must take place after this. Immediately I was in the spirit, and behold, a throne. A throne set in heaven, and one sat on the throne. And he who sat there was like jasper and sardius stone in appearance. And there was this rainbow around the throne in appearance like an emerald. Around the throne were 24 other thrones, and on the thrones I saw 24 elders sitting clothed in white robes and they had crowns of gold on their heads. And from the throne proceeded lightnings and thunderings and voices. Seven lamps of fire were burning before the throne, which are the seven spirits of God. And before the throne there was this sea of glass like crystal. And in the midst of the throne and all around the throne were four living creatures full of eyes front and back. All seeing, right? The first living creature was like a lion. The second living creature was like a calf. The third living creature had a face like a man. And the fourth living creature was like a flying eagle. And these four living creatures, each having six wings full of eyes around and within, and they do not rest day and night saying, Holy, Holy, Holy Lord God Almighty who was and is And is to come. And whenever those living creatures. Give glory and honor. And thanks to him. Who sits on the throne. Who lives forever and ever. The 24 elders fall down before him. Who sits on the throne. And listen to what they do. Worship him. Who lives forever and ever. And they cast their crowns. Their crowns of gold. Before the throne saying. You. You. Are worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power. For you created all things, and by your will, they exist and are created. Did you notice what was right smack in the middle of this heavenly worship? Did you notice what was in the center of this heavenly worship? Worship, verse 1 says, that as John peers through the doorway into heaven, he sees something that no other human being has ever seen before. Worship as it is in heaven. Now when John received this vision of heavenly worship, what you don't know is, is that the Roman emperor had exiled him to an island called Patmos and basically left him for dead, right, as part of his punishment. It just seems that John would not shut up about his Savior, Jesus. And so the emperor said, I'll fix you. But at this low point, how many of you had low points in your life? At this low point in John's life, what did God reveal to him? He revealed a glimpse. Can I tell you that at the low points in life, no matter what they are, worship. When you're at your lowest, worship. Now I want you to notice what the key word in those verses are. The key word in the verse was the word throne. Now when I think of a throne, I think of a king, and when I think of a king. I think of a, someone who has sovereignty and authority over everything. When I think of a king, I think of someone who has rule and control over his kingdom. Friend, while you may think that things are out of control here, listen carefully, they are not. They are not out of control. Our king is on his throne in heaven, and he is controlling all things according to His purpose and according to His plan. God is on the throne and He's doing all things by His plan and for His glory. Don't you ever forget that. Now the Bible says that no man shall see God and live. So John didn't actually see God, but what we have here is John trying his dead level best to describe for us the appearance of God, John is trying to describe for us how the glory of God appeared to him personally. Now, here's how he did it he said, it was like a jasper stone. Now, a jasper stone to me and you is a diamond. Probably no more pretty stone than a diamond. And a sardius stone is what you and I would call a ruby. So here what we have is John describing a multifaceted, glorious brilliance of beauty and light. I mean, how do you go about describing the appearance of God? All he could do was describe the impact that the glory of God had on him personally. What he was looking at was the very center of heavenly worship. He was looking at the throne of God. And that is exactly what is our focus. is the throne of God. But John didn't stop at the throne. No, because not only did he hear the center or see the center of the heavenly worship, he also heard a chorus of heavenly worship. Check it out in verse 4 again. Around that throne were 24 thrones and on the thrones were 24 elders sitting clothed in white robes with gold crowns on their head. And if you go on down to verse 9... We're reminded that whenever these living creatures give glory and honor and thanks to Him who sits on the throne, who lives forever and ever, what would happen? These 24 elders would fall down before Him who sits on the throne and they would worship Him who lives forever and ever and they would cast their crowns down before the throne of God. And they would say, you, not me. You are worthy. You created all things. And by your will, they exist and have been created. In addition to this extraordinary, glorious brilliance in heaven, in addition to getting a glimpse of the throne of God in heaven, what you need to know is there is much, much activity. There's much going on. In heaven, John found that wherever the throne is, there's worship. Can I say that for your life as well? When you find the throne of God ruling over your heart, you know what's going to happen? You're going to worship. Right? If he rules over your life, what are you going to do in your life? You're going to worship him who sits on the throne. And so as John is continuously observing all this activity, he sees these 24 elders sitting on thrones surrounding the throne of God. And those 24 elders represent all the Old Testament believers and all the New Testament believers that have ever lived. And then John says, I saw these four living creatures. And those four living creatures represent all of creation. Because all of creation is going to worship God. Do you know that? And what were they doing? Repeatedly praising God. Repeatedly praising God. And when those creatures praised God, then those 24 elders bowed before the throne and they cast their golden crowns before the throne of God. They were worshiping. Friend, I want you to imagine for a moment, imagine just for a moment, if you can, being consciously alert to the holiness of God. Imagine for a moment, fully understanding, perhaps for the first time in your life, fully understanding the truth. Imagine, friend, seeing this incredible, magnificent beauty of God for the first time. Imagine your heart overflowing with love for God. Imagine, friend, being 100% devoted to the purposes of God. When all those things come together, We don't just worship when we gather together. We can and we do. We can worship at all points in our life when these things are occurring. That's worship. And friend, that should be the goal of every single believer on earth as we prepare to worship before the throne of God in heaven. Now there's something else I want you to notice here. And that is this. Worship in heaven... Gets better, and better, and better, and better, and better. It seems the more that we experience God, the more we're seated before the throne of God, the more our worship grows, the more excited we get. Amen. And we worship God. You see, throughout the book of Revelation, as praise is being offered to God, it builds and it grows into this crescendo of worship that becomes more and more all-encompassing. Oh, it's going to be are all in all worshiping God perhaps for the first time. In Revelation 1.6, John began the book by saying, All glory to Jesus who loves us and who has freed us from our sins by shedding His blood for us. He has made us into a kingdom of priests For God his Father, all glory and power be to him forever and ever. Amen. And then we read in uh, chapter 4, verse 11, these 24 elders crying out, You are worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power. In chapter 5, verse 12, John heard the voices of many angels angels around the throne and these living creatures and those 24 elders and the number of them was 10,000 times 10,000 and thousands and thousands saying with a loud voice worthy worthy is the lamb who was slain to receive power and riches and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and blessing oh my goodness he ain't done yet y'all And then every creature in Revelation 5.13, every creature in heaven says blessing and honor and glory and power be to him who sits on the throne and to the Lamb of God forever and ever. Oh, he ain't done yet. Then the Bible says in Revelation that every single creature and all the angels and all these elders and all those living creatures, they fell on their face before the throne of God and they worshiped God saying, Amen. Somebody say, Amen. Amen. Blessing and glory and wisdom and thanksgiving and honor and power and might be to our God forever and ever. Amen. Somebody say, Amen. Ever going to get bored worshiping God in heaven? That's right.
1: It ain't ever gonna happen.
0: You're never gonna get bored while you're worshiping God in heaven. Our worship's gonna keep growing, it's gonna keep expanding, it's gonna keep swelling and spreading and increasing all to the glory of God. For all eternity. Amen. So John showed us what the center of heavenly worship is, the throne of God. Let us get a little earshot, a little earful of the chorus of heavenly worship. But I want to end on this note because I want to point out to you the character of heavenly worship. You need to know the character of heavenly worship. See, while John was imprisoned on this island called Patmos, I'll bet you he experienced a whole lot of discouragement. I'll bet you while he was exiled, away from his family, away from his friends, he was going through despair like you and I have never seen before. I bet you he was disappointed. I bet you he was depressed. I bet you he was down. But then, John was given this glimpse. He was given this glimpse of what was to come. John was able to see his life, even in the the depths of despair, even in the struggle of depression. This is the first time that he was able to see his life from a different perspective. You see, that's what worship does. It allows us to see our lives from a heavenly perspective. John was able to see If you're anything like me, I tend to focus on the here and now. I think we kind of have to, right? We got bills to pay, we got relationships that need attention, uh, we we have work jobs to do, right? Uh, We kind of have to focus on the here and now. But there is something bigger, friend. Listen, there is something that's far more important. The here and now. You see, things are not entirely as they seem to be. God is not out of control. Things are not out of control. Satan has not won. Evil has not prevailed. It's not the same. It's not as it appears. Never forget, my friend, that this world that we live in is passing away. She's going to be gone one day ever heaven, heaven will last forever. we may not see heaven with our eyes here but we can see the goodness of God can't we we can see the magnificence of God's works, can't we? We can see how worthy He is to be worshipped. And when we worship in our giving, when we worship in our prayers, when we worship in our praise, when we worship in our study of His Word, when we worship in our life decisions, friends, we are getting a glimpse of worship. in But there are four things very quickly that I want to run by you that really Tell us a lot about the character of heavenly worship as John is peering through this doorway into heaven. The first of which is this Worship is not about us, it's all about Him. Now, that's easy to forget sometimes, isn't it? It's easy to forget that God is the center of our worship, not us, not our things. Not our relationships. God should be the center of our worship. And it's a bit concerning to me that many believers never really worship God because they're so fixated on themselves. Many believers are not able to worship God because they're so fixated on their preferences, on their own desires, on their own lives, on their own wants, that they can't focus on God. Worship God for who He is and what all He's done. Man, we ought to consciously put on blinders. We ought to put on blinders so that I don't see what I want. I don't see the things that I want or the things that I don't like. I just want to know what God wants. Because worship is not about me. It's not about what I want. It's about God and what God wants in my life. Worship, friend, is not about us. It's all about Him. Secondly, worship is not about here. It's all about there. Praise God for that. For God, when we worship, that exalts Him and it praises His authority. But For us, when we worship, it gets our mind off of ourselves. When we worship for just a moment, it gets our mind off of the things of earth and onto the things of heaven. that we will live here with heavenly priorities. But the only way that's going to happen is if we focus on the things of heaven. If we will seek things that are above, if we will set our minds on things that are above, we're going to walk in this world a whole lot differently. Heaven will make a difference in our life. Can I tell you that we are citizens of heaven? We just ain't home yet. Thirdly, worship is not about now. It's about then. Paul wrote to one church and he said, whatever you do, don't lose heart. Don't lose heart. Even though our outward man is perishing, the inward man is being renewed day by day. For our light affliction, which is but for a moment, is working for us a more exceedingly, exceedingly great weight of glory. While we don't look at the things which are seen, we look at the things which are unseen. For the things that are seen are temporary. The things that are unseen are eternal. When you compare the perishing with the eternal, when you compare our momentary affliction in this life with the eternal weight of glory in heaven. Then all of a sudden you begin to realize that worship is a choice. Worship chooses not to focus on the seen, but the unseen. Worship happens when we focus on things that are eternal, not things that are temporary. Temporary. make this exchange friend we make this exchange for the things of this world with the realities of that we choose to focus there finally worship is not about one it's about many sadly we live in a day where many people don't believe that they need to worship in church anymore We live in a day where many people don't feel they need to worship with the whole body of Christ, as the Bible puts it. Can I tell you that at some point or another, they're going to come to the gross realization that they have shortchanged themselves. They're going to come to the reality that not only have they shortchanged themselves, but they've shortchanged a whole lot of other believers in the process. And while they shortchanged themselves and shortchanged other believers, they also shortchanged their God. Because they didn't feel it was necessary to worship with the body of believers. You know, people claim that they can worship in a deer stand. They worship, they think they can worship in a bass boat, they can worship in a golf cart. But I want to tell you something. The kind of worship that we read about here in the book of Revelation is something that's called Corporate worship. In a nutshell, that means worshiping together. Worshiping together. That's the kind of worship that we're going to be experiencing in heaven. See, Christianity is not an individual experience. Yes, you come to Jesus individually. But the minute you come individually, what do you do? You become part of the body of Christ through baptism. And now you're not just yourself. You're not just your own part of the whole and we worship as a whole. And I would say that probably one of the greatest lessons that we can learn here on earth is to truthfully and wholeheartedly learn to worship God with other believers. With other believers that God has redeemed for himself. After all, that's what we're going to be doing for all eternity. If, somebody say if, if you go to heaven. If you go to heaven, you're going to be spending eternity. The body of Christ. All the believers of old and all the believers yet to come. While we don't know the day or the hour when Christ will come and promote us to heaven, we can be prepared. We can prepare ourselves now to make every single worship experience a full dress rehearsal for the way we're going to worship in heaven. You get up on a Sunday morning and you say, well, I'm going to go and I'm going to worship with the body of Christ today. Worship like you were going to be worshiping in heaven. You see, it's not about one, it's about many. It's not about now, it's all about then. Worship is not about here, it's all about there. Father God, you are an amazing God, and you are worthy, 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 holy, 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 and worthy of our worship. Father, our prayer is today that, Father, as believers, we have made a full dress rehearsal for how we're going to worship in heaven when we transition from here to there. But, Lord, if we're honest, not everybody's ready. Not everyone has come and placed their faith in Christ. Therefore, they're not ready for heaven. They can't go until they place all their faith, all their trust in the gift you gave of your only begotten Son dying on the cross for us. We have to do that individually before we can become a part of the whole. So Father, our prayer is today that everyone who has heard this message and Allow your word to pierce their heart. Father, they would examine if they're ready. Are they ready to go to heaven? Are they ready for this kind of worship? And if they are ready, have they been making every worship opportunity a full dress rehearsal for how it's going to be when we get there? Lord, that's our prayer for today. Lord, no service is complete without a decision, a decision to be made for you. So, Father, whoever needs to come, Father, you direct them. You just let them take one step of faith. Lord, let them come forward. I'll show them what the Bible says about how they can come to Christ and be a part of this glorious worship that we've talked about today. Let it all be for your glory. In Jesus' name and all God's people said.